Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. To the surprise of no one, Baz Luhrmann's hit film Elvis just got an Oscar nomination for Best Picture. Plus, Austin Butler was nominated for Best Actor for his depiction of The King. So today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're bringing back an episode about Elvis. Our team watched the film when it came out last year. We had a real conversation about how our city was depicted and whether or not Vegas has outgrown the spectacle of the king. It's Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. I'm Vogue Robinson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. So what are you guys, y'all's thoughts on the movie overall? Well, I love Baz Luhrmann. Let's start there. It's very fun, a lot of spectacle. I think Elvis lends himself well to Boz's vision, mm-hmm. Boz's directing. That being said, it was kind of like interesting hearing modern music in the movie and um, the acting choices were interesting. Yeah, well, let me stop there because I don't want to jump ahead. But I w- it was interesting. It was interesting. What about you, David? What are your what's your overall thought about the film? Well, I thought the actor who portrayed Elvis killed it. I found the cinematography so compelling that despite the cornball biopic nature of it, that said, beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the color palette fit the drama. I couldn't stop watching the in a way, glorious train wreck of it all. But I was particularly focused on the Las Vegas scenes, and I know we're going to talk about that, which, you know, boiled me up and lowered my Mm, Rotten Tomatoes score. And yeah, so what's interesting is the film also stars Tom Hanks. So like you've got, a you know, a solid cast, but Tom Hanks kind of being the narrator of the film. And I was laughing and talking to Layla about this, but the last time I've seen anything about Elvis was the scene in um, Forrest Gump <laughs> where he basically steals his dance or like his dance is inspired by Forrest Gump's character in the leg braces, like trying to like dance. It was like, oh, do that again. Let me see that again, little boy. <laughs> <laughs> so I just love that now Full that circle. Tom Hanks is in this and I didn't realize he was going to be your primary narrator, but he's I mean, Tom. Tom going to do what Tom does, which is be an excellent actor. In this movie, I feel like Tom was actually the the weakest mm. part of this movie. And so having him as the narrator kind of was a drag for me. I wish we heard more mm. from Elvis because I feel like Austin Butler's portrayal of him 
was so good. But with that being said, I did not know who the colonel was in Elvis's story, and I knew nothing about him. So I did learn a lot about that yeah, figure. So, uh, Tom Hanks played his agent, essentially. And the, the goal, I guess, from the website <laughs> for the for the movie itself, they wanted to delve into the complex dynamic between the two, spanning across 20 years, so kind of this unhealthy relationship, and then watching kind of the rise to fame, the unprecedented stardom, and then the cultural landscape changing, and they wanted to get into the loss of innocence in America. I don't know if it got there to me, but <laughs> I was like, take. these are just these are things straight take. from the website. <laughs> so these, these were their goals. I don't know if they met them. But I want to go back to what you said, David, about the way that Las Vegas was depicted. I feel like there wasn't enough Vegas, really, uh, other than out the hospital window. But tell me what you thought, David. Yeah, a view out the hospital window that does not exist to a hotel that was misnamed in a time frame that made no sense. Yeah, all that was great. What did you think? <laughs> it reminded me of the Great Gatsby movie with Leonardo DiCaprio that was also directed mm -hmm. by Boz Lerman. It looked fake. Whenever we did get the big shots yes. of Las Vegas, it looked very much like a cartoonish depiction of the city other than like some really random weird like realistic shots that were like overhead and way zoomed out and it felt like a fake city especially the scenes from back in the what 60s 70s it made me think is that a real casino was that really there is this a real city or are they making up casinos <laughs> for this movie like you said Vogue I didn't really get the sense of like Vegas. I wanted more of it in the film. I don't know if you guys know this, but there is a school of thought out there outside of our yes, city that, that we are a fake a, city. We're not even I don't know if you know that. If you've ever heard it. that. Having grown up literally one block from that hotel, I have a fond remembrance for that sign and the sign of the international with the Elvis marquee on it. I used to Aww. see it every morning on my way to school because I'm old. This would have been the international that turned into the Hilton that is now the Westgate. So we got the cultural landmarks of Vegas, which also feels like a very external perspective of our city. And then the idea of the pairing, the, the marriage of spectacle of like, here's Elvis. It's this major spectacle of a being. And then in our very spectacle city and I feel like Lerman, that's his style anyways, to make things feel kind of dreamy, like do 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 Like, I feel like the whole film mm -hmm, could have been definitely. underlined with do 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 Like, noise. I, I just wonder if the people from Beale yeah. Street, which was also very prominently featured, have the same sort of impression that we do as Las Vegas people. Yeah, it felt airbrushed. I think that would be how I would feel about it. It felt just glossed mm -hmm. over very lightly. So as Las Vegans, I mean, we're familiar with the image of Elvis, but did we learn anything new from this film? Nah. Not as much as I was expecting to learn. I was expecting to get my whole like vision or my whole idea changed of Elvis. Like, I'm going to walk into this movie and feel completely different about him. I don't, but something that I learned is that Elvis did a protest song during a Christmas special in 1968 after Dr. Martin Luther King and Senator Robert Kennedy were assassinated. He wanted to say something. His people wanted him to say something, but Colonel Tom Parker said, no, just go on and sing Here Comes Christmas, that Elvis doesn't make statements. And he went on and did a protest song. We're lost in a cloud with too much rain. We're trapped in a world that's trapped. 
which I thought was so cool, was so like badass. And I think younger generations would appreciate hearing Elvis do a protest song for civil rights and speaking against the assassination of these huge political leaders trying to change the world for good. And something that stood out to me was when in the movie, when Dr. Martin Luther King got assassinated, he said, oh, that man spoke the truth. If I learned anything about Elvis, it's that he appreciated those moments more and those people more. And I wish that that was talked about more in his legacy. Well, and there's also compare and contrast the singular oddness of the song In, in the, the Ghetto, ghetto. which closed the film. Yes. Also that. Also that that felt very, very interesting spoken word slash I don't know, Vogue, how would you describe in the ghetto? Uh so here's the thing about it overall. I think, you know, you can't talk about Elvis and not talk about music that was born in communities of color, born out of the blues from black folks. And it showed a lot of times Elvis sitting around with people who were black and like they showed a black woman singing. Come around if you want to see Big Mama Thornton. Laying down Hound Dog. And then boop, there it, it was his song. Come on. Oh, let's do it. Now listen up while Brown America speaks. You ain't nothing but a They built the bridge, but they didn't necessarily tell you which way to walk onto that bridge to say, okay, he was heavily inspired by blues, um, you know, what really now is kind of the heart of rock and roll. And so it's just kind of like, I don't know, it wasn't built to call out the things about Elvis's career that were really problematic. I feel like it was built to just kind of showcase this relationship and what it means to be a megastar and that the image versus the real person. And yeah, the modern music that was intertwined was very jarring for me. I was just like, not Doja Cat. No, not Doja Cat, not Denzel Curry. (laughs) Exactly. And that felt like a choice too, right? Because both of those are Black artists And they were in scenes where Elvis was Mm -hmm. interacting with Black artists. After watching the movie, I don't know what to say about it, but like copying it or inspired by, influenced by. Like you said, Vo, you can't talk about Elvis without talking about, okay, like, is it cultural appropriation? And was Elvis paying enough respects to the community where he was just like completely taking Mm -hmm. the songs from? And it was... Interesting seeing that there was a scene in the church where Elvis, young Elvis, goes in and he's taken by the spirit and he's dancing and he's getting into it. And he's surrounded by all of these black people singing and he's like really feeling it. And that moment just felt like, oh, okay, like what is, what are we trying to do here? There was real big spiritual Christian slash like uh, the devil also overtones of like, it felt like Tom Hanks's character was definitely the devil and he sold his soul to him yes. so that they could, and literally the line was, oh mama, I just, I never want us to be in poverty. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody says, mm-hmm. we gonna get up out of poverty. <laughs> I'm going to buy you that pink Cadillac, mama. How about I, get, how about I let your mama get too? Like, what? So it's like, okay, here's the motivations. Yes, nobody wants to, I don't think any of us elect to be poor. Yeah, but I wish the movie made a bigger 
a bigger stance on it or a bigger like this is what Elvis thought about how he took his music from the black community and this is how he was working with them or giving back to the community. And I mean, the protest song was nice, but that was that came in 1968, years into his career. And I liked seeing like Little Richard and B.B. King in the movie, but I didn't feel like I feel like talking about Elvis, we don't talk about that part. And we're just like, oh, well, Elvis is the king of rock and roll. We don't worry about where he got his music from. And the movie showed where he got his music from. But then that's it. They just kind of showed it. And like, yeah, this is Elvis very much did get his music from black people. And then he became rich I and famous. I will say this, though. The one good thing is that from this film, numerous black people were paid as a result of it. Like they made sure to incorporate Mm -hmm. a lot of Black artists and therefore many a Black artist got paid from this film. So in some ways, like... Yes, amazing Black artists. All right, I'll take it. And really, do we need to scrutinize Elvis any more than it's already been scrutinized? I mean, was this a film that was supposed to, like, give us some great new insight or was it supposed to be yet another in an endless series of odes to the icon? And, you know, we in the city have to deal with that, too. Our own take on the ode to this icon, because he's everywhere in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. still. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Do you think we actually like honor his memory or do you think we have also made him a caricature? Well, I think, and I'd be interested to hear if David feels differently, but growing up in growing up in Vegas, seeing like the impersonators and learning the little bits and pieces that I would learn about Elvis through just seeing his name everywhere in the city. I feel like he's a character. He's not like, he didn't feel like a real person to me. And I don't know if this movie helps that. He still very much feels like a character. And maybe that's why he can kind of get away with 
how much he appropriated and people can kind of sweep it under the rug and not talk about it as much because like he's just not portrayed as a real person. Elvis does have a connection to our city that's unmistakable. Our wedding chapels, when people come to Las Vegas, they love dressing up like Elvis and, and, and doing that whole thing. Elvis impersonator shows all the way up to, you know, the high class take from Cirque uh, have been very prevalent for mm. decades in our community. And a lot of people, when you mention Las Vegas from outside, I think think of Elvis too. So what is that connection all about? Well, you know, he sang that <laughs> song he didn't write about um, gambling yeah. addiction called Viva Las Vegas, a movie from 60 years ago based on the same totally fun ride, very colorful about a swinging race car driver from Los Angeles who visits Las Vegas for a weekend. Awesome. He did a quickie marriage on the strip to Priscilla, but, you know, one of millions in its heyday. And then those shows as depicted uh, in the movie, which, you know, kind of were the descent into that schwitzy, tattered jumpsuit Elvis. Um, but to, to add to that, just to add to that, it was a seven-year-long residency yeah. at the International Hotel. So, and then each of those shows was sold out. International slash Hilton. Yes, it's the by Hilton. The way. Yeah, International slash Hilton. But it was while that hotel was being built. Is So, I mean, like, I feel like it's unprecedented to sign a contract for a venue that hasn't even been built yet and to say, no, I'm... Y'all are about to give me X number of shows and watch me fill them up. So, I mean, like there's confidence on the manager side and also like the star power of Elvis, even old, you know, not jiggling. Everything ain't jiggling like it used to Elvis, <laughs> like that Elvis still or jiggling in ways it shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> that Elvis still sold out shows. And I feel like a portion of that is like that's part of also our lifeblood. Like if we're going to talk about the history of the city and what brought money into the city and made it what it is then I think that's where you want to talk about, okay, well, what is Elvis's legacy? And some of his legacy, mm. I think, is a portion of what is, what's maintained some of what we have. But what, what else do you all think is Elvis's legacy? It's kind of the sticky Elvis impersonator thing that has become sort of the legacy, which I kind of also want to talk about just people goofing on Elvis all the time now uh -huh. and, and what that's all about. I mean, there's even a song about, you know, Andy Kaufman goofing on Elvis, an R.E.M. tune. But that's kind of Vegas all the time. People goofing on Elvis, going over to the Bonanza gift shop, buying the $7.99 Elvis oh, yeah. glasses with the attached sideburns and, mm -hmm. you know, doing Vegas in their big old goofy way. Yeah, I definitely think you would like to think that like the residency structure that lasts in Las Vegas now is Elvis's mm -hmm. legacy. And he kind of blazed the way for that, the kind of performance that we see here and his presence in the wedding industry and how everyone wants to get married by Elvis or at least did want to get married by Elvis. But I feel like going off of what David said, it his legacy definitely is changing, kind of not being not taken seriously and not being like this serious musician, which is another thing that was prominent in the film is that he wanted to be taken as a serious musician. And I feel like now the younger generations are kind of seeing the the caricature of him and the shtick of Elvis and kind of just knowing, like when I asked my niece what she knew about Elvis, she knew two things, that he died on the toilet and that sure. he appropriated black music. And none of the other things are talked about. Like, she would, wouldn't know that he trailblazed the residency structure or 
Um, he did a protest song on a Christmas special. I feel like those things aren't talked about, so they kind of get lost in his legacy. Right. I didn't. And now that you've just said that, I was like, oh, that he served in the military. I had no freaking clue. Yeah. That after he performed, and it, like they said, you know, you need to stop all that gyrating. Uh, and he was like, I'm mm-hmm. going to do what I'm going to do, uh, which is shake my booty and do these songs. I was like, oh, look at you, Megan the Stallion. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, we know this of Elvis, but it's not it's not the most prominent things that we talk about in part of his legacy. And so it's not going to get passed down to the younger generations. Oh, David, you know what I was going to ask you, though, is mm. the... So the wedding structure, right? We got these all these different weddings that involve Elvis, but there was that thing where I guess people need to start licensing to be able to like dress up or be in his image. What's kind of the backstory on that? Oh, I, I mean, it's pretty straightforward is that the estate of Elvis Presley saw that there was a lot of money being generated off of people utilizing his image and they laid down some laws. But I believe that they've worked out most of those licensing issues. I mean, the thing that you can't regulate, though, of course, is every, you know, drunk person who comes off of the airplane dressed up like Elvis and, and doing that whole thing as much as. Las Vegas invites people to come here and have fun. It also invites people, I think, to lose themselves and to take on sort of this other personality. And some people don't have it in them to be maybe original Mm. in what their other self would be like. And so we do provide a very easy framework with the Elvis thing. I mean, I think you see probably more Elvis impersonating uh, both uh, from those kind of tourists, because it's a lot easier than, you know, dressing up mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know, Siegfried and Roy. Uh, but also uh, driving around the streets. Don't you sometimes go into the supermarket, go in anywhere, see someone who just looks <laughs> a little too Elvisy, And you kind of wonder if, you know, their whole life has just been like, I just didn't like myself. So I'm going to be a little bit more Elvis. And isn't that kind of a Vegas replicant thing, too? I mean, you know, we've got fake Eiffel Tower, fake pyramids. Why not have fake Elvises everywhere? The guy in a motorized wheelchair who I would see for years driving Mm -hmm. around on Fremont Street just, you know, to get attention, I think, in a lot of ways, he actually shows up in the TV show Hacks. He has like a little cameo. And this is just an everyday Vegas guy who just wants to be a little more Elvisy, And there he is, you know, prominently featured. Although whenever I see him, I always eye roll to, you know, audible levels. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Wow. That talking about my deep takes. My deep takes are from the website. Your deep takes like, yeah. That are from real life. The desire Vogue. to be seen and paid attention to, um, you know, that spectacle kind of boils down to attention. Like, I want to be seen. Uh, and I think that's like a very like primal thing maybe that we have. Yeah, and you don't have to be bogged down with the anxiety of your own creation. You just slip into a little Elvis. Hmm. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> You're out. It sounds like an Elvis meat suit. I think the bigger question is, will the next mayor of Las Vegas finally drop the Elvis escort thing? Our current mayor, Carolyn Goodman, loves appearing with uh, an Elvis impersonator at official events. So her predecessor, her husband, Oscar Goodman, loves showing up with showgirls everywhere. And so Carolyn's take on it was show up with an Elvis impersonator everywhere. So if you were ever at a parade and you see a pink Cadillac driving the mayor's 
plural, down the street, it's usually being driven by an Elvis impersonator. Mm -hmm. There's actually an official Elvis impersonator that they use. I'm going to tell you this. Here's another little fun fact. There were Elvis impersonators working in Las Vegas before he even died. While he was still alive and then carried it on. And they were, in the beginning, very Mm -hmm. austere tributes. And then through the years, some went that route, some went a little more cornball. Mm -hmm. What is the saying that, like, imitation is the best form of flattery? I wonder if Elvis would agree with that. Mm. Or if the Elvis estate would agree with that. Cease and desist. So, all right. What would you say your personal, like, Rotten Tomatoes score percentage of this movie would be? The thing about it is I, I'm i a huge Tom Hanks fan. I did not like his performance in this movie. But Austin Butler was amazing. There was a few moments where I was thinking that they were actually showing mm. Elvis footage. And people are saying that he's Oscar worthy and like in the running for that. Mm. I agree. So just carried by Austin Butler's performance, I would give it maybe like a, a 75%. Oh, that's high. Okay. I wouldn't watch it again, though. (laughs) Okay. All right. Figler? I'm going to give the Elvis movie the same Rotten Tomatoes score that I give the Elvis-y people who I see on the street all the time. I mean, they draw my attention, but if they come too close to my car, I'm going to lock all the doors. (laughs) So it's like a 62%. I'm going to give it 62. You know, there's enough intrigue to get it over the, the halfway hump, but... It's not much higher than that. So 62% Rotten Tomato for the movie and for Elvis as a Vegas icon. Okay. I can respect it. Vogue, what about you? I think my score would actually be 50%. But 50% is actually like kindness for me because it's it's a like, it was kind of sort of entertaining. I was braiding my niece's hair uh, while we were doing it. So it was something that was on and like even she watched and had questions and it was super fun to see her find a song in it that she knew so like we're literally sitting there and she goes play it and I was like oh my god why do you know this uh song but I mean the song goes whatever the new hound dog song from Doja Cat so it was cute to mm-hmm. see her enjoy the music and I think with Baz Luhrmann stuff like you could you could watch it on mute and it would be really interesting <laughs> so I think anything you could watch on Very mute pretty. at least deserves mm. a 50 percent okay so Elvis is Elvis the Vegas icon. What do y'all think? Yes or no? I think it's time to maybe revisit his legacy and maybe decide not really or update how we think about him. I think a lot of people are very attached to the Elvis icon for Las Vegas and would defend it to the end, be the hill that they die upon. I think he isn't ours more than he is Tupelo or Memphis or Acapulco or Hawaii or wherever the clam bake movie took place. But I get it. I get it. And as long as we can make money off of it, I guess. Yeah. It's here. I agree. Oh my goodness. The capitalism level is so high. I think, yes, we can keep him, but I think that he should just go ahead and have a museum just like the mob and everybody else so that he doesn't have to be on the direct, like on our marquee doesn't need to be Elvis. But I think we should, Go ahead and give him a museum. And one of the fun facts that I found from an article from John Prisby um, at the Review Journal is that the scarves that he used to wipe his brow with were made by people at Opportunity Village. And they he's his oh. scarves were sourced from Opportunity Village all the way until his last shows. But he'd like wipe them off, throw them out into the audience. 
And sometimes they'd also be sold. Um, so I don't know. I feel like he did things. See, this right. is what we need to be talking about. This is what we need to be talking about when we talk about Elvis. Like, not the hot mess down on a toilet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they did try to do an Elvis museum over there on Industrial, but it didn't last very long. I think it's feasible. I think we've got enough stuff and enough stories. I think it could be done in a way that was like weird and interesting and interactive for sure. Um, so there you go. There's the next business idea, y'all. Merry Christmas. All right, my dears. Well, thank you, Layla and David, for chiming in uh, and watching this movie uh, asynchronously with me. <laughs> thank you, Vogue. Thank you, David. Well, I have to. I'm sorry <laughs> to everybody. Thank you very much. Go see the movie and let us know what you think. Before you go, here's David with a little news. Now that Governor Lombardo has laid out his agenda in Monday's State of the State address, it's becoming clear where he and the Democrat-controlled legislature will butt heads. He wants to curtail mail-in voting, set up school choice, and undo some criminal justice reforms. Democratic lawmakers are already pushing back. So stick around. We'll have more conversation about the new governor on the podcast soon. Finally today, popular band Panic at the Disco is closing the door for good. Its upcoming European tour will be Panic's swan song. Frontman Brandon Urie says he's folding the pop-punk outfit so he could spend more time with his family. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Do you have thoughts about Elvis? Whether it's the movie or the person, let us know on socials at CityCast Vegas and get your friends in on the conversation. Don't forget to also follow and rate the podcast and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon. Thanks, folks. That was a motorcycle.